Who is God? What does the Bible mean? Why am I lying? What is God's will? I want to understand. Reconnect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Reconnect, the official podcast of Shincheonji, or in English, New Heaven, New Earth. Once again, in front of the mic, it's me, Ray, and I'm very happy to be here. I don't know why I started the intro that way, but yes, I'm very happy to be here once again to be able to share today's episode with you. And, you know, my mind is still on the new year. Well, you might be thinking to yourself, well, in the previous episode, Ray, you talked about the new year. Yes, that's true. You caught me. We did talk about the new year in the previous episode, but why is it still fresh on my mind? It's not just because it's only been a month since we've entered into this new year, but it's also because, well, I live in Asia and specifically Korea. And in many Asian countries, we celebrate Lunar New Year. And that is a great excuse for two things. Number one, to have two New Year celebrations. And number two, to continue <laughs> with the topic of the new year into today's episode. You see what I did there? Huh? So I'm definitely going to take advantage of that excuse. And so what's been on my mind is connected to the previous episode that we did. You know, we talked a lot about New Year's resolutions and how a lot of them we end up making and we don't really finish it. <laughs> we, do, we don't keep these resolutions. And also a lot of the resolutions that we make are connected directly to the past. As in, I spent all of the year being really unhealthy, eating terribly. I'm going to fix those habits in the new year. Or I did a terrible job of studying. Just, just, oh, my grades are horrible. I'm going to do a better job at that this year. There are things that we take from the past and we bring them with us into the future. But that's not how God does things. God continuously thinks about the future. He's always moving forward. And what we focus on in our previous episode is how in every spiritual era, when we look through the Bible, we see people that made the mistake of holding on to their traditions to the past rather than moving forward and following God's plan. If we look at the, the descendants of Adam, right? They were so confident and happy and so content with what they were doing, how they were living their lives. They thought they were still connected to God, that even though Noah was there telling them, hey, judgment is coming, a flood is coming, come here, come here. God was sending Noah to give them a way out. They didn't listen and they were judged. And yeah, they only Noah and his family were on that ark and were saved. If we look at the time of when Moses bringing out the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt, right? That whole old generation wandered the desert for 40 years and died. Why? Because they their hearts were were still in Egypt. In their hearts, in their minds, they were still in captivity. They did not hold on to the promise that God who was moving forward had and instead tried to worship other idols, grumbled and complained until God said, well, that's enough. And they were judged and they were not able to move into the promised land. Even when we look at the first coming, we look at the Pharisees and teachers of the law and many people who accepted the teachings they were giving at the time. They were holding on to traditions in the past and as a result, they missed the Messiah with who God promised them in Scripture, Jesus. Mm. So what I want to focus on for today's episode, and, and it connects really well to what we talked about before, is change. Why should we change? Because maybe like you've said yourself many times before, 
Change is hard. It takes a lot of effort. So why should we be making the effort to change? Well, let's find out. I think a good place to start is with Acts chapter 10 and 11. In Acts chapter 10, we have Cornelius, who's a Roman centurion with the Italian regiment. And this centurion and his entire family are completely devout to God, despite not being Jewish themselves. They give to others, they give to the poor, they pray regularly, they completely recognize and serve God and follow his commandments. So what happens is one day, an angel actually appears to Cornelius in a vision, telling him that God has recognized his, well, really his faith, and tells him to sin for Peter. Sin for Peter and have him come to you. And so the, the vision ends, and that's exactly what he does. He sends his servants to go and look for this Peter. What's interesting is that Peter also has a vision, but this time he sees a sheet being lowered from heaven to the earth, and inside the sheet are all kinds of four-footed animals, reptiles, birds of the air, things that Peter, being Jewish, should not eat. And here's a voice from Jesus. Jesus says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And of course, Peter, knowing the law, says, surely, no, I, I have never eaten anything like this. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. So what does Jesus say? He says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happens about three times. And then the sheet goes up to heaven. And that's the vision. Hmm. So the spirit actually tells Peter that there's people looking for him and that he should open up the door and speak to them. And these people are, of course, from Cornelius, the centurion. And they tell him, hey, Peter, uh, the centurion Cornelius is a, is a God-freeing man. He wants you to come see him. And that's exactly what Peter does. He goes to see Cornelius and speaks to him. And Cornelius tells him about the vision that he had, about the angel telling him to go sin for Peter. And Peter realizes something very important here. In verse 34 and 35, Peter says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Hmm. He knows that there's been a change in the law. Something has shifted here. And it's not the same way it was before. Because here you have Cornelius and his family who are not Jewish. They're Gentiles. But God is not showing any favoritism. To God, it doesn't matter where they come from, whether they're Jew or Gentile. Here's Cornelius who fears him. So God acknowledges that. So in chapter 11, of course, the other apostles and other followers, they hear in Jerusalem, they hear about what Peter has done, that he went into the house of someone who was uncircumcised, a Gentile. So they go and confront him about it. They said, how dare you do that? They criticize him. What are you doing? This is completely against the law. And what does Peter say? Peter tells them what happened. He gives them the account of the vision and everything and, and what he saw, the, the, the sheep with all the di different animals in it and what Jesus said to him. And Peter says in verse 17, so if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? Hmm. And in verse 18, well, 
so then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. So they have, all of them have an, an understanding now that what was in the law before has changed. Now this connects really well to what we talked about last week, right? Resolutions and being connected to our traditions in the past. But God moves forward. He's always moving forward, guiding us towards his goal. So when God tells us that his expectations of us have changed, we have to recognize it and follow him and not remain in the past. Now, this is actually true of the Old Testament as well. Let's think back to the many different times that the people of Israel actually broke the covenant that God made with them. Ultimately, in 1 Kings chapter 11, that was a final straw for God, essentially. We have Solomon, who was so wise, but of course, he completely disobeys God by marrying all of these different Gentile women. And this is something God warns him about because what happens, of course, they have different beliefs. They have different gods that they worship. And what does Solomon do? He worships them as well. And of course, being the king, the entire kingdom follows suit. That's the last straw for God. That covenant is broken. So God realized something important there as well, that it could not continue on in the same manner that he was doing before. He needed to revise his plan to get his desired goal of undoing the damage caused by the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Think back to Genesis chapter 3 with Adam's betrayal. Ever since then, death entered into the world and has been affecting generations of people ever since. That separation from God has continued on since that moment. So what does God do? He sends his people into captivity in Babylon. I know that seems unfathomable, right? Why would he do that? He instructs them to go willingly out of the very place that he promised to bring them to. When they left Egypt out of that captivity, and that next generation was able to move into and conquer Canaan, the land that God promised them. Here he is, generations later, telling them to come out willingly. But there is a very famous verse that's associated with this. Actually, if you look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 and 11, I'll read it for you. It says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then actually verse 11, that part of verse 11 is something um, that I know for myself, I've heard many times repeated and actually reprinted on many things as well. Mm. But getting back to what we're talking about, he gives them that promise. So what should the people of that time have done in order to demonstrate their faith to God? What was God's reason for describing the changes he wanted his people to make? Think about the time of Noah. What about then? Noah spent 100 years building an ark, looking like a crazy person to everybody else and telling them repeatedly about the flood, the judgment that was to come. And we know that flood did come, exactly how God told Noah it would. But so often we think about the flood and not so much about God's intentions. What was God's reason for wanting people to get on the ark he had instructed 
know what to build. What's the end goal? Well, that end goal is described in two places. First, let's look at Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 to 6. I'll read it for you. It says, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In Ezekiel chapter 47, Ezekiel has a vision of a temple. And from this temple comes a river, a river that becomes so large and so deep that no one can cross it. On both sides of this river are trees of many different kinds that never grow old, that never wilt, they never die. Because the water they receive comes from the sanctuary. This river itself is full of life. All kinds of fish, all kinds of living creatures are within it. And even when it empties into the sea, it makes the salt water within the sea fresh. Everywhere this river goes brings life. The fruit that comes from the trees on both sides of this river, these trees that never die because of the water they receive, this type of fruit and the leaves of the tree itself are for healing. This is God's end goal. The establishment of a temple and tree whose leaves can heal all nations. We talked a lot about changes, right? This is why the changes God described to Peter are so significant. In Acts chapter 10 and chapter 11, God's love and healing are not just for some. They're not just for you or for me. They're for everyone. And God needs people just like you and just like me to complete his plan. That's right. Think about it this way. God's word is like an invitation. This invitation is telling us about the opportunity to come and work with him. It shows us how to demonstrate our love, how to demonstrate our support for God. God is spirit. We talked about this in previous episodes. We've gone back to it a few times, right? Despite being a completely different being, God, our creator, wants to be in a relationship with each of us. This is something that he's longed for ever since that relationship was severed way back in Genesis chapter 3. This is the same God who looks on all of us, looks upon each generation, has been trying so hard to create covenants throughout the Old Testament. We can see it in the Bible. And has made a plan continuing to go forward with the same goal in mind of reconnection. He wants a relationship with his creation and he wants it for good so that it's never separated, never disconnected again. In our previous episode, I, I talked a little bit about why we support our friends and we support our friends because we want to help them achieve their goals. That's a big part of friendship, that support for each other. But this means that we need to know what their goals are. And none of us are mind readers, so we need them to tell us. We need to have that understanding of what their goals are so we can help them. 
Now, looking through history, God's expectations of those who claim to love him, those who say they want to be his friend, those who say they want to have a relationship with him, well, God's expectations have changed at different times. And like I said at the beginning, change is difficult. Often, it has taken people time to adjust to these changes. And while God has never punished anyone for slipping up while trying to make these adjustments, the consequences of not making them, of not recognizing those changes in times and in season in God's work, those consequences are severe. Looking in Luke chapter 12, verses 54 to 56, you have Jesus speaking to a crowd. He says something really interesting. He says, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Recognizing that present time, during that time of the first coming, was super important. It was crucial. Because by recognizing who Jesus was, wow, you know that that's the place you need to go to be saved. And you leave all the other teachings, all the other traditions behind. Now, it bears to reason that recognizing what time we're living in as believers is definitely crucial. As crucial today as it was during the time of the first coming. And I know that we talked a lot about uh, resolutions, both in today's episode and even in our previous one. But regardless of whether it's the the resolution of working out more, meal prepping for every day of the week, making sure that we take the time to study for a test or something like that. Right. We have this checklist of things that we want to accomplish in a new year. What's most important of all is what Jesus pointed out there in Luke chapter 12. We have to, we must make sure that we understand God's goal. We understand the season that we're living in so that in this year, we can be better friends of God. Just like Abraham. In James chapter 2, verses 23 to 24, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see, that a person is justified by what he does, and not by faith alone. As always, if you've enjoyed today's episode, feel free to like, subscribe, and share with others. Yes, sharing is still caring, even in this new year. And if you have questions or if you want to study yourself, hmm, by all means, love it. Continue to send both of those to us. We love reading your questions. And for those who have that desire to study and really want to have a clear understanding of God's word in this new year, let us know as well. And we can guide you to a place to study. And as always, this has been Ray. And you have been listening to Reconnect. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Happy New Year again. Ooh.